It is time for Around the 412 with Smitty and Tyler. Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I'm Tyler. With me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. Be sure to go follow us on all of our social medias at Around the 412. While you're there, go check out our pin post on X and go to the description in the listening platforms of the show as well over on YouTube. We've got a couple links for you guys to check out. The first one's going to be our year six of Rock Around the 412 over the first five years, being able to raise over $25,000 to be able to provide children Christmas in our local 724 and 412 area codes. If you want to learn about more about that mission, we got the GoFundMe link there. You can read all about it as well. We also partner with the East Rochester Salvation Army to be able to adopt kids off of their angel tree and provide those children in Christmas as well. So like I said, that link is in the description. We've got about a month-ish away from whenever we're going to be starting to take yeah. or stopping to take donations. So if you can donate, that's awesome. If not, just please share the mission. We want to get as many people involved with it as possible before we can. Like I said, only a month away. Second, we've got a Facebook link and an Etsy link for our friend Haley Wagner's Everything Custom Designs. It's her small business. She does customized clothing for you guys. She can do Pittsburgh clothing. She can do sports clothing. I mean, she can really do whatever you want, and she can do it on all sorts of stuff. T-shirts. You can get some kitchen aprons. Maybe it's Christmas time. I know. And, and, and it's actually Thanksgiving time. I can't, can't hand on Thanksgiving. Smitty got some Christmas or Thanksgiving pajamas. I got Christmas pajamas. But if you want to get customized pajamas for either holiday, you can go hit her up and see what she can get out for you. My mom's done it. Smitty's done it. We've got all sorts of stuff going on with her. But go check that out with the Facebook link and the Etsy link. Uh, everything except the hat. She can get you hooked up. Everything besides hats, custom designs by exactly. Haley Wagner. Um, I'm excited about this episode. Uh, reason being, well, actually, first and foremost, I want to throw out there with Rock Around the 412. I know Tyler mentions this, but if you are a family, if you know of a family that can use the help at Christmas time, uh, would like to try to keep it local, of course, to the 724 and 412 areas. Um, like just taking you guys behind the fourth wall, like we typically do, it I feel like it's harder and harder to find families to be able to help. And uh, even though my mom works for them, I'm going to call out the school district a little bit here too. Uh, it's very hard to get them to help out in terms of like giving information about families that could need the help during the holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uncle and I, who's the, my uncle's the fire chief for a couple different areas, center included, as well as Aliquippa. Um, we're talking about this and it's just, it's so hard in order like to get information to be able to help people during the holidays, which really doesn't make sense. Like, you know, there should be more access to this stuff to be able to help people. But, um, yeah, so if you are a family, if you know of a family that can use the help at Christmas time, please reach out to us because it gets harder and harder. Like I said, of course, you know, if it comes down to it, we know for sure that we're going to have the stuff with the East Rochester Salvation Army, but we really like being hands-on and finding families in the area too, so we'd love to be able to do both. Um, so yeah, reach out to us if you uh, if you meet the criteria or if you know that somebody that does. Um, but let's talk about the Steelers here a little bit. Sunday's game against the Pat. And also, this is earlier in the week than we typically record. This yeah, is a Monday absolutely. that we're recording, so this game was just yesterday, so fresh on our mind, fresh on everybody's mind here to talk about, and uh, let's just get uh, the elephant in the room, the bad news out of the way, first and foremost. For a second straight game, the Steelers lose an off-ball linebacker to a season-ending injury with Quan Alexander going down with an Achilles injury. Seemed to know it right away with Achilles. It's there's no, you know, gray area there. Like we knew uh, mm-hmm. as soon as Tom was talking about it and it was said it was an Achilles injury. 
we unfortunately knew what that would mean for Quan Alexander's season. And after losing Cole Holcomb, Quan Alexander took on the green dot. Now it's going to be Landon Roberts doing so. Now you're thrusting Mark Robinson into an elevated role. Michael Walker is probably going to have to come up. Tariq Carpenter was already up yesterday playing in a special teams capacity, but no reps on defense. Maybe they could make an outside move. They just waved Brain Fajoko. Maybe that is to open up a roster spot for another linebacker addition from the outside. We will see. But, man, this one really hurts. I mean, from obviously a football perspective, but also what Quan has seemingly meant to the locker room, the energy that he brings. Um, the previous game just had a game-sealing interception against the Titans, mm-hmm. and then very next game lose him for the season. So I don't think, once again, going back to the same way that I talked about the Holcomb injury, that this can really be overstated how important of a loss this is for the defense. I do like Landon Roberts. I liked the prospects of Mark Robinson. But man, like you're you're really getting thin now at linebacker. I mean, we thought it was thin whenever they only carried four guys to for their opening fifty three man roster. We we thought yeah. that was a, a curious thing that they only carried four of them. So the fact the fact that you're down to two from that opening fifty three man mm-hmm. roster that you had, um, especially the two that you did lose. Not not that I want to like really rank guys, but like if, if we're just talking in terms of importance to the defense and importance at that position. I mean, you you lost arguably the the two most important guys at, at those positions, and it's just it stinks that they happened in back to back weeks. And in the weeks that they did, in not that I want to make make light of it or say anything, I'm not trying to say that, but it's like if this would have happened sooner, then they they could have had a better chance to at least maybe through like the trade um, trade pull they could have done something. But with the trade deadline having passed, they're. Mm-hmm. Off- are limited i mean they can go to someone's practice squad they can get somebody off the street like i mean is miles jack game ready uh can, can, we, can we sign him back or something like well he also retired like does he want to come out of retirement i mean i don't know if that was just a thing for right. so it, it, their options got really limited based off of when these um injuries in back-to-back games happen the, the two games after the trade deadline back to back as well um so it, it just stinks because that really at least as of as we're sitting right now, the day after leaves a hole over the middle of your defense. And I, mm-hmm. I believe that Landon Roberts can, is still going to be doing his thing on there. And I trust that Mark Robinson, they're going to put him in the best position possible to be able to succeed. And we've liked what we've seen in the limited snaps that we've seen of him in some games in his career, but still that's going to be a tall task to overcome making up for, for Quan Alexander and Cole Holcomb being out for the season. Um, so the Steelers are going to have to pretty, much get creative i feel like to to make up for that loss over the middle i think that they're they're not going to be able to just supplement uh those two for mark robinson and uh alanda roberts and then just basically say like we're going to call it a day um i think with the guys that they have in-house right now regardless of who they bring in to help that linebacker room i think as far as like the coverages that they're going to call and everything they're going to have to get more creative and um and be able to cover the over the middle of the field more um but it, it just it just stinks that at the same position back to back weeks such important guys to your defense that you have uh, season injury injuries to both. But I mean, hey, I mean that's that's football. That's something that the Steelers are going to have to live with. Um, it just it just really sucks. The day after talking about it, when you look at it, just just from a at least a roster standpoint, like it's getting pretty thin over the middle. I also just want to mention this real quick, too, and I know you're going to love this because you always love when people acknowledge me in some way. Um, I got a text from somebody today. Uh, By the way, E-Rob, this is a Landon Roberts 
told me that he knows of you and thinks you're hilarious. I love that. Also, also, I'll drop this on here. We're not going to give a date yet, but we know that it's happening. Landon Roberts will be appearing on the other podcast that I host, Steelers Afternoon Drive. Um, he just, he seems like a great dude, so I'm excited to talk about him. Hey, who knows? Maybe I can parlay that into him making an appearance on Around the 412 as well. But yeah, Landon know. Roberts does he know, awesome. Does he know you're a season ticket holder? That might do it. I'll bring it up. I'll bring you, it up. You should mention sure. that to him. Yeah. I mean, if he knows of me, he's probably... You know who knows? Maybe he clicked on the the. Actually, I don't even have it in my bio. You anymore. don't have it in your bio so, anymore. Yeah, he probably you have to just outright it. tell him. But you have yeah. no problem telling everybody else. So I'm sure you could tell him. <laughs> exactly. Um. But yeah, he's been great. Obviously, like he, I put this out there on uh, on X too. Like that was one of the few things I think that jumped off the page to me right away. But then really watching it back this morning as well was the way that he played, like on the fly, having to basically change uh, his role, like. Going into that Tennessee game, he would have never been asked to do what he ended up having to do in this Packers game after losing Quan Alexander. Like I said, he's now the third player that they put the green dot on. So from a communication standpoint, his role had to change. He was having to do things in coverage, which is not necessarily a strong suit for him. He wouldn't have been asked to do those types of things. So, yeah, like the role that he has on this team basically overnight has has shifted and he is you know their number one off-ball linebacker at this point so we'll see how that continues to develop i think part of the solution will parlay this question into a conversation about the rest of the de- defense and the domino effect hopefully fingers crossed you're getting minka fitzpatrick back this week against mm-hmm. cleveland and i think that could be part of the solution too i know keanu neo got a little bit banged up at the end of this game he talked to the media afterwards it's typically a good sign i think he should be good to go we'll see if he has any like limitations and practice throughout the week but i would expect he'll be good to go but is he part of the solution at inside linebacker like do we see him play as a dime linebacker i mean he's kind of been doing that already when minka was in the lineup but is he part of the solution more than he already has been in terms of an off-ball linebacker, the coverage responsibilities, things like that, with Minka back in the fold? Like, how, how do you see that playing out? What's the domino effect now when you're talking about losing off-ball linebackers in back-to-back weeks? I mean, I, I think you have to involve in, in, in terms of ke- keeping Keanu Neal involved in the defense and, in, and specifically moving him to, like, that dime linebacker. I think you need to because – not that I want to take anything away from what Alandon Roberts did on Sunday or, or what he could do this season. And same thing with Mark Robinson. I don't want to take anything away from them as players, but like those aren't mm. the, the guys that you're wanting to drop back in coverage necessarily. I think it'd be better once you do get Minka back. I think you're putting your defense in the best situation possible. If you do have somebody with those coverage skills that can be that, that dime linebacker and be able to, to use your we talked about it last week i mean i think we even mentioned him moving to dime linebacker a little bit like basically using the assets that you have on defense to the best of your ability no matter who's on the field like using your best players in the best situation to have success possible is what the steelers are going to have to do especially with the injuries that have been piling up specifically these two at the linebacker room i think that whenever you you look at like dropping back in coverage as much as we want to say like we trust Landon Roberts or Mark Robinson or we want them to do good, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be the best guys possible for the job on the field in any given snap, any given moment, of, in any given down of a game. So I think that Keanu Neal could use um, or be used to get in that dime linebacker role because I think that puts the defense in the best position possible moving forward. And I mean, we'll see. We don't know who they're going to bring in. Um, 
or, or, or what moves they're going to yeah. make to try to supplement some of that linebacker room loss. Cause right now they're currently sitting at two guys on the roster. And I, I can't imagine them actually going into a game week um, with that staying the same. So we don't know what moves that's going to happen, but as the roster sits right now, I think that that's probably the best case scenario for the Steelers when it comes to, especially getting into those like nickel and dime. Like when you have more of those DBs on the field, get, get those guys in that dime linebacker to be able to get the coverage over the linebackers. So you don't have to put that much pressure on a guy like a Landon Roberts, who's already going to be having a lot more pressure than he needed to because of the losses of Holcomb and Alexander. Yeah. So from like a skill set standpoint, you know, and maybe he, it's just a thing of not being up to speed yet, still learning the defense. But Michael Walker, who they brought in, former Falcon, I think is the guy that like if you can get him comfortable enough in this defense where you can trust to play him, what he brings to the table, like his skill set is kind of what you're looking for, in my opinion. Like he's going to be their best coverage linebacker, I think, going forward, at least of the in-house options right now so i think you could see him have a role as early as this week against cleveland what's good is you have at least one more week before you see cincinnati uh cleveland mm-hmm. kind of lends it's like the way that they their offense runs i think you can get away with a lot of a land and roberts and mark robinson but the following week when you see cincinnati and this is assuming that by that point you know we see jamar chase is probably like 70 ish percent right now after that back injury and they didn't have t higgins this past week but if he's able to come back uh, by the time it, that they go to uh, Pitts, by the time we go to Cincinnati, um, the way that they spread teams out, go five wide, a lot of empty sets, and like make you defend every inch of grass going sideline to sideline, that I think could provide trouble for an Alandon Roberts Mark Robinson duo. So, yeah, whether it's Michael Walker or an outside addition, you know, I, maybe they see what's going on with Rashawn Evans, who was just elevated from the practice squad for a third time from the Cowboys. That's as many times as you can elevate a guy from a practice squad before you have to sign him to the 53 for the rest of the year. I don't know, at least as of right now, I haven't seen that the Cowboys have done that. So that could be an option if you're looking externally. Anthony Barr is still out there. I know that he's visiting with the Eagles or worked out for the Eagles today. We'll see if he ends up signing there. But if not, maybe that's a name to circle as well. Um, you know, somebody like that that can provide something in that room. Anthony Barr, I know that he's more of like a – he's a 4-3 outside linebacker, not necessarily, you know, mm-hmm. fitting the description of what we're looking for here. Um, now, he would have made sense to me just after the Holcomb loss because you could have shifted Quan into the Holcomb role and Barr into the Quan role. But now, I, I you know, I think there still might be a role for him. But uh, it doesn't make as much sense. But yeah, on like if I'm looking internally, I think it's a lot of Keanu Neal moving down. I think it's getting Walker up to speed to be able to take away some coverage responsibilities from a Landon Mark Robinson. Uh, so we'll see there. Um, in terms of this game, though, against the Packers, which I really want to dive into, I don't want to have the same conversation that like we and everybody seemingly seems to have every single week where we're just talking about quarterback evaluating where he is at week after week. It's a lot of the same stuff regurgitated week after week while acknowledging that he was not good. I mean, let's, let's just he say that he was not good in this football go. game. Yeah, we covered it. Uh, <laughs> there it is. I do want to say that in back-to-back weeks, I feel like we've seen the offense as a whole not from the quarterback, the most important position, while also acknowledging his most important position, I think we've seen them take a step. We've seen them take a step towards executing what we knew at even the beginning of the season they wanted their identity to be. As fun as the preseason was, as much optimism as there was for this passing attack, 
internally, we know that the Steelers want to be able to run the football. Ran for 166 against Tennessee. Ran for 205 against Green Bay on Sunday. This is how they want to play on offense. Now, of course, you know, they got a little stagnant in the second half. If you put eight in the box, Kenny's going to have to make plays at times with his arm, mm -hmm. sure. But this ideally is the formula for them on offense. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Broderick Jones gets inserted into the starting lineup. You start seeing Darnell Washington play more snaps. And all of a sudden, this running game has been resurrected because you look at a lot of the big run, basically every big run that they had. It's either to that side, to Broderick's side with Darnell lined up, or it's when they were pulling Broderick across the formation, mm -hmm. him climbing to the second level. Then it's to that side, not taking away from what anybody else was able to do. But man, I don't know if I remember a time where one offensive lineman was making as much of a difference as Broderick is right now for this team. No, I mean, he he is the X factor on the offensive line right now. X, X, X factor for the offense as a whole, honestly, because that's what's been driving the offense the last couple of weeks. I thought watching this game that this is the best offensive line performance they've had all season, especially that for that opening drive. That might have been the best blocking I've seen from the line overall in a single drive the entire season. Um, and I, I think that that has to do with not only are they, they messing together well, but like putting guys in the right and like maybe having Broderick Jones at right tackle is what the Steelers needed to really get that going. I mean, it seems very evident just because of the talent that he has and the talent that he is and the way he's performing. But man, I thought that they did a great job up front. And that's something that is pro progressing and something that people necessarily don't want to talk about all the time because they, they want to keep the, the, the narrative always negative about the offense. But as far as like the, the offense as a whole goes. I thought the offensive line was great. The two running backs were great. Honestly, the play calling I thought was pretty good the entire game. The only bad spot still that, like I said, we were not really going to harp on it too much was Kenny because he's not really executing that well. But the one thing, I, good thing I will say about Kenny is he's not turning over the ball, which is I think yeah. something that his – and people want to question why the Steelers – like because you look at – and I actually wrote some of, them, some of them down because I thought they were very curious – um, but so it's the elephant in the room is that they are the 23rd team to be outgained in their first nine games and in all nine of the games, they're the first one to have a winning record out of those 23 teams. And not only do they have a winning record, they're six and three, a pretty good record. They're sitting in a playoff spot right mm -hmm. now. They're also 28th in yards per game. They're 28th in yards allowed per game. They're 26th in rushing yards allowed per game. They're 19th in rushing yards per game. They're 26th passing yards allowed per game, or 23rd in passing yards allowed per game, and 26th in passing yards per attempt. Or And then those were per attempts, not per game. But I think that the the main thing is, like, despite all of that, and, and throwing that all of the window, the main thing is I think that when you look at turnovers, that's what is keeping this team really afloat, but even more so afloat. That's what's winning them games. The offense is not turning the ball over and the defense is creating them week in and week out. And so despite mm -hmm. what's happening, whether you the defense gives up a million yards, the offense gains 10 yards in the entire night, like they're not turning the ball over. And I think that that is the key to the Steelers' success right now. That's why they're the first team out of those 23 teams to be outgained in their first nine games to have a winning record. They're these six and three. 
Kenny's not turning the ball over. We're not getting fumbles on offense. And then we are also getting takeaways on defense every single week. And they're, they're big takeaways as well in key moments of the games. We, ha- we saw it last week against Tennessee. We saw it this week against the Packers. They are get, being very opportunistic for whenever they're making their takeaways. And they're also being opportunistic on offense for when they are sustaining drives and when they're not turning the ball over. Because that's the thing is we saw earlier in the season, like some key situations. I mean, the, the, the granted the 49ers game, that's that's just like an outlier game of like your really good team versus a, a really bad offense and team to open the season. But like you don't see them turning the ball over in some of these games that they've been winning. And I think that's the key to why they've had success. Kenny has one interception since week two, and he only has one fumble on the entire year in general. I probably should have thrown a pick uh, on Sunday against the Packers, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Again, I think that that is like, it's funny because I mentioned, I didn't want to regurgitate the Kenny Pickett conversation, but everything that you just said is actually the theme of the Steelers afternoon drive that we recorded the same day that we're recording this on Monday, because, you know, there's a lot of talk about if this is sustainable for the Steelers, right? Like, yeah, they're six and three, but like you mentioned, they're getting out gained in seemingly every single game. I'm not going to say they're empty yards, but the Steelers don't care. They don't care about the, like, this is the way that they're playing defense. This is the way that the league is kind of trending as well. We don't care if you can go the entire way down the field, we're going to make you kick three instead of get into the end zone. Or you're going to make a mistake on the way getting there because you run so many plays in the process of doing so. We think our pass rush is going to get there. Or you're going to turn the football over. This is the way the Steelers have played defense, not just this year, for multiple years in a row. So this is sustainable as we've seen. We've seen the Steelers win this way for a while now. And people, you know, come back to that might be. Uh, they only went nine and eight last year. They haven't won a playoff game. I'm not even saying that the Steelers are amongst the upper echelon teams in the NFL right now, but the reason that they are where they are right now at six and three competitive, like, I don't, I think they are a good team. Good, not great, not with the upper echelon teams by any means, but I think they're a good football team largely because of winning the turnover battle every single game. Like that can't be just a race. You can talk about the yards all you want, the end of the day, they're winning turnover battles and they're scoring more points than their opponents more weeks than not. So, of course, you have the outliers 30 to 7, and that's where the point differential really gets ballooned is because of those two mm-hmm. games against San Fran and Houston. But, you know, on a week in and week out basis, from a yardage standpoint, they do not care if they're getting outgained because the yards mean nothing if it doesn't end in six. That that's exactly what I was about to say is like, it does not matter if you give up an 80 yard drive, as long as it ends up in the other team getting zero to three points. I don't think the Steelers are caring. And as long as the Steelers are capitalizing more so on the yards that they get, because if we're just looking at like per 100 yards right now, like they're scoring more than their opponents because sure they're, they're, they're giving up a lot, but they're not allowing their opponents to be able to, to get on the board or get, get in the end zone as often. And so even even though the offense as a whole has been bad in terms of like the yardage, I, I think that they're like that's what I was saying. They're more opportunistic. Obviously, you want them to be better in the whole the the entire game, but it goes like I think Tom Tomlin even said it on uh, on on Sunday as well in the post game. Like when pe- someone brought up how bad Kenny was being in in like quarters like one through three, it's like well, what was he in quarter four? Like he's he's winning his <laughs> opportunity. 
yeah and which which obviously you, you don't want to ha- keep having that narrative being driven as well you eventually want that to yeah. but the point still stands like they are t- get, taking the opportunities they get and they're capitalizing on a lot of them and i i think that that's the key to the recipe for the Steelers record so far is that like they are capitalizing a lot of the opportunities they're having and they're not creating opportunities for the other team, specifically talking about the defense with the offense, like the, the offense giving the ball to the other opposing team's defense. They're just not doing that right now. Well, how important is Chris Boswell to this equation too, to basically guarantee you three anytime that you're at like the 40 yard line. I mean, he has one miss this year. I don't, I don't feel uncomfortable miss. whatsoever when he's on the field. If it, if it's right. if it's fifty five and in, I think he's making it. That's yeah. that's the crazy he, part. Like I have no sweat whatsoever. His miss this year is from what like sixty two because it got pushed back on a garbage penalty against the Jaguars. That's his only miss on the year. So yeah, I mean he's been automatic. But I just think the fact that you're guaranteeing yourself points basically anytime you get to the opposition's forty uh, has just been such a crutch, if you will for the Steelers offense to know that you're at least getting three and in a lot of low scoring, low event games like the Steelers have been in. I mean, I think he's imperative to this team's success. I don't think it's that big of a stretch to say he's one of the five most important Steelers right now with what he's done this year and talking about this offense as a whole and where I want to take this conversation really is the two running backs who were both exceptional in my opinion in this game against Green Bay. Jalen Warren has his first 100 yard rushing game. Najee Harris also very good, 19 total touches, uh, 86 total yards, both scoring rushing touchdowns. Don't quote me on that 86 yards. That might have been a a misspeak by me. 96. Um, but right, 96. Look at that, even better. What? Oh, did he have 80 on the ground then? It was 82 it? on the ground, 14 on the ground. receiving. Okay. So 96 total yards for Najee Harris, um, over 100 for Jalen Warren in this game with a rushing touchdown. Or 110, and, 110 and all, all, all purpose. Um, yeah. for he only Moore. had like two receptions in this game, though. Like, Najee yeah, had three nine yards, two receptions. Um, but yeah, those two are the stall, stall, straw that stirs this strength right now for this offense. And they want the offense to go through those two guys. And I think what's important, and Alan and I were talking about this, is it's not necessarily finding the right, like, balance in terms of snaps or giving this guy series and this guy series it's fi- figuring out which plays work for each guy like they're not having nausea you know try to run you know outside or like you know, they're not doing things that makes more sense for the other running back they have the perfect yeah. combination right now with these guys um and i and i think that this is again the recipe for this offense going forward, if they're going to have success is both these guys being involved the way that they were basically nearly a 50, 50 split realizing when to put the ball into this guy's hands. Um, I think if there's one thing really that I can say in a, like not just a neutral, but a positive light for Matt Canada is that he's found the right formula for these running backs of the last couple of weeks and you know say what you will about tennessee green bay was a top five run defense the last couple weeks before seeing the steelers like they've been getting better against the run each and every week prior to seeing the steelers they give up 205 on the ground to them i don't think that that's something to take lightly i think the steelers can continue to do this it's going to be a big test uh against cleveland who's really improved along that defensive line over the last couple seasons especially on the inside getting some actual playable defensive tackles on the interior um but yeah, I, I think when you look at Jalen Warren and Najee Harris, they are 
this offense right now over the last couple of weeks. And um, I mean, you got to give credit to the offensive line up front too. Obviously we've talked about their run blocking, but this is to me the path forward for this offense. If they're going to do anything this year, it's going to be because this running game continues to do what they've done. Yeah. And I, I think that we started to touch on this last week. We talked about both of the running backs individually and what they mean to this offense. And it was on full display on Sunday. And I think that you do have to give credit to the offensive line. And that's why I wanted to, to shout them out in the beginning of this episode that I thought that this was their best blocking performance as across the board um, that we've seen thus far this season. And, you know, on field, Matt Canada through two games, I honestly don't have as much to complain about as a lot of people, a lot of fans would like to complain about. Like, I, I don't, was there a Fire Canada chant at all during that game? A little bit, a little bit. Oh, oh was there? See, see, a little like, bit in the second half, I was, yeah. See, like when I was watching the game, I didn't. I honestly didn't think a lot of the play calls were that bad. Like overall, I didn't think they were that bad. And when what you just said, whenever it comes to Canada figuring out the the rhythm and in the right place to get these guys in, I think they've done that. You've seen a lot of the like the pitches and outside runs going to Jalen Warren, things that he's more suited for. And then you see like on Najee Harris's touchdown run, straight at the middle. I mean, it was absolutely wide open too. They just Untouched. opened the floodgates on that one. And I, I, I thought that it was awesome that both of them were able to score in this game and they really showcase off their skills, really in back-to-back games too. You, you've seen uh, both of those guys really have good games on the ground and kind of growing off of that Tennessee game into this Packers game. It was very evident that the Steelers are going to be able to run the football for pretty much the entire day on Sunday. And I think that that's such an important thing. And I think you, you call it – I don't know if someone else coined it and you're just stealing it. But uh, thunder and lightning um, for for those two. I, I, I actually that, saw some somebody was calling them smash and dash, which I actually might like better. Smash and thunder and, and lightning is kind of like yeah, thunder and lightning. We've seen a ton of that, like just in that right. game. Smash and dash is pretty cool. That is that is cool. But I mean, that's true. Either either nickname works. I mean, you you have the thunder, <laughs> you have the smash with Najee Harris. He's more yeah. so between the tackles, run up the mi- middle, and obviously he's gonna break some. He broke some in this game. But I think that he's the running back that's definitely going to wear you down more. Like, he's harder to bring down and everything. And then you got the dash. You, you got that lightning with Jalen Warren. He's so fast. I think he is so underrated fast. Like, his foot speed is so quick, at least w- watching it. It well, just seems a- like he is so fast. And I he- think he accelerates so quick. Like, I don't yeah. know if it's necessarily if he's going to win. Like, if you're starting somewhere and you're running, like, 100 yards – I don't know how fast he is, just like straight line speed like that. Right. But he gets to his top speed quicker than. Well, and that, else. I think that's the main difference between him and Najee too. Like, I don't know that necessarily Jalen, if they if they if they were at their top speed, both of them, I don't know that Jalen's going to be necessarily far and ahead faster than than Najee. It just takes a little bit more for Najee to get up to that speed, and so that's why they're they're utilized differently in this offense. They're figuring that out, and they're getting more of an identity offensively, which. Honestly, for the first eight games or seven games, they didn't. You could say this team had no identity when it comes to the offense. They were really just trying to figure things out, throw stuff at the wall, and see what stuck. And a lot of that had to do with poor execution on the field. A lot of that had to do with the play calling. But I think that you're starting to see some some of the things, some of the puzzle pieces start to get put together. Obviously, they're not all together. There's still things that you, you're going to be working on. We're only about halfway through the season, but. I, I think that you're starting to see this offense take a step, at least in, in terms of finding their identity from what they want to be. Something that we talked about where they we know they want to run the football. And at that point, as long as Kenny continues to do what he's doing in the sense of not turning over the ball and being able to manage the game through the air when needed and improve on that end of it, 
I think that this offense can get stuff going. I think that people want to say like this is an awful team, even though they're six and three, like they're the the worst six and three team. I still think that they're a good team. It's just taking them a while to figure out what to do with the players that they have, what do they do with the with the personnel, and how to scheme that so they can put that on the field and have a positive output. I think they're starting to figure that what, out what to do offensively, at least on the ground from that standpoint. And I think that started whenever they moved Broderick to right tackle, they figured out what to do with the, with the personnel in the offensive line. And you're seeing that with some of the play calls that they're using both of the running backs. Also, Smitty hates uh, Najee Harris now because he has a Jalen Warren jersey. <laughs> I don't know if I do. I, well, I, I also have a Najee Harris Warren. jersey. I got it right here. Yeah, but so. yeah, yeah, now now you hate him. Yeah, you're you're um, you, you're a Jalen Warren starter truther now. I, I my plan is to wear that Jalen Warren jersey, color rush, which we all know thanks to Zachary Smith PGH on X will be worn Thursday night football against the Patriots. Um, but yeah, like his dad actually might see this because fan of the content, Jalen Warren's dad. Shout out to Derek Warren. Um, but yeah, so I just anytime that like. It's really not just about like what he does in the field too. Obviously, awesome player, just seems to get better every single week as he gets more touches. But like it just seems like a cool story where he comes from. Obviously, like his dad seems like a great dude. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm pulling the trigger on this jersey. I want to support this dude. So uh here we are. But um, yeah, I guess that means I hate the other running back now because that's typically how it goes. So yeah. Uh sorry, Najee. Kicking you to the side, pal. Um yeah, I I I don't want to talk about the quarterback that like spend too much conversation there. But what I will say is that's what you have to feel like is probably the next progression for this offense, right? Like, so they found out that this is the path forward for them. This is what they need to do. They're able to do it. Like there's a difference between the desire to do so and executing it. They've now done it, put it on display two weeks in a row. You're going to have to assume that teams are going to have to start accounting for this more. Now, like you're going to see eight in the box, you're going to see one-on-ones on the outside. They're going to make Kenny Pickett make plays to beat them, or he's not going to, but they're going to make him try to do so. I, that's got to be, in my opinion, what we see happen next, starting with this Cleveland game. I think that they're going to make Kenny make plays with his arm in this one. Is he going to be able to? What, like, Where are you at with that? Is, is that your mindset too? Like, okay, we've seen them do this on the ground now naturally that has to be the next step for this offense absolutely i mean that's that's the really the one thing now based off of the performance we saw on sunday that is still holding it back is is kenny's performance and that's something that's been holding it back all season too as much as i i want to love kenny and and him to be the guy and, and be the quarterback of the future right now like i don't have a lot of confidence in that and I don't have a lot of confidence in him necessarily if, if we needed to hit, rely on him for an entire game and not just the fourth quarter to be able to win a game with his arm. I, I, yeah. I think that that is something that needs to be addressed, um, especially with his with his reads and his decision makings where he's going to the ball. I mean, there was the one where he tried to force it to, I think, Deontay, and it, it was a pick that wasn't actually a pick. It had to be reviewed, um, That when and it was reverse called. But he had... Uh, Darnell Washington wide open underneath. I don't know why he tried to force it to Deontay when he could have just dumped it to Darnell, which is like a shorter throw. Would it would I would have seemed to be an easier throw and could have picked up the first down. It, I just think a lot of his reads and a lot of his decision making is still that's the thing that is very questioning for me, especially when it I I, I know there has to be 
some routes that are going over the middle. But his passing chart on Sunday, literally no pass was attempted between the hash marks. I I refuse to believe that the Steelers had nobody over the middle that was that was open at some point during that game. The one time the one time they threw it there, they got a bogus OPI call because like Calvin Austin isn't trying to set a pick there. He's just running across the field and runs into somebody. That's that's right. a Yankee concept. Like, and that's he <laughs> they just happen to bump in. They can't, there's no reason that should be called OPI, in my opinion. Yeah. That would have sealed the I, game. I, I think that that's something that you, you're gonna have to see happen to have more success. You, you you're not gonna be able to throw to the outside every single time and have success through the air. Teams are going to be able to defend that easier. They're going to have to get more creative over the middle, and Kenny's going to actually have to throw it there. I, I think that that's also honestly, I think that's probably more so on him than it is the offensive scheme and the route running right now. Because I just don't think he's looking over the middle. I don't think he wants to commit to throwing over the middle. I think that's something that he's going to have to work through. Yeah, there, and there's a chance you're getting Pat Frymuth back this week, so good week to start doing that uh, would be against Cleveland. I said I didn't want to talk about this, but what I will talk about is the takes that come from this. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll get your opinion on this because for the life of me, I can't understand the idea that like everybody just brings up he's a winner or whatever. And I appreciate what the fact he doesn't turn the football over and what he's done in the fourth quarter, though we didn't even get fourth quarter Kenny in this game. Wasn't good in the fourth quarter either against the Packers. Um but like people are saying that they would rather have him than like Justin Herbert because Herbert is now 500 as a starting quarterback for the Chargers. Like people that just bring wins and losses into the equation, do you they wanna... not realize if Justin Herbert threw four touchdowns yesterday, if the Steelers were getting four passing touchdowns from their quarterback, do they realize where the Steelers would be on a game in and game out? But like it's not close in the fourth quarter enough where you would be getting these game winning drives in these fourth quarter comebacks. You wouldn't have to be coming back if you were getting adequate quarterback play the only reason that he has the opportunity to have these comebacks and make these fourth quarter drives is because of how bad he's playing in the first three quarters i want to relate this to college for a second um because that's the easiest way i can in my mind would people rather have if you're just comparing the two players themselves and and keep in mind usc this year has lost four games in a row as of recording this podcast and also Mm -hmm. keep in mind that uh, Georgia won back-to-back national titles. Would people rather have Caleb Williams or Stetson Bennett? <laughs> Steelers fans, the way they talk, I think they'd rather have Stetson Bennett. Uh, anybody, any, anybody under the sun would rather have Caleb Williams. <laughs> so it, being a winner, especially in a position where, in, in, a, in, a, in a game where whether you win the game is not necessarily up to one position. Obviously, he's playing arguably the most important position, especially on the offensive side of the ball. He's definitely in the most important position and probably the most mm-hmm. important position on the team. That doesn't mean that you you can win in spite of a bad quarterback. Your team can win around you, as lo- and especially with the way Kenny's doing it. He's not turning over the ball, so he's not necessarily killing the team. And then that's, a, that's, a, yeah. that's a Tomlinism. He's not killing us. So mm-hmm. you can have a winning quarterback that's still not a great quarterback. I don't think anybody unless you were a Georgia Bulldogs fan, and even probably some of them would say like Stetson Bennett is better than Caleb Williams. But Stetson Bennett won two back-to-back national titles because of the team that he was on and the situation that he was in. Caleb Williams, obviously the the better player, but the situation he's in, team doesn't have a good defense, poor offensive line play, there's a lot going wrong. And I, I, I don't think that 
you would say that you would still want Stetson Bennett, though, just because they won back-to-back national titles. When you're just looking at the two guys by themselves, I think that that's that's the only comparison that I could come in come up with like right away in my mind. No, and I, I just, think that that's, I just think that yeah. that argument's pretty pretty flawed if you want to say that he's a winner and that's why you want him. Yeah, and again, don't get me wrong. I appreciate what he is able to do in those moments. I appreciate the fact that he doesn't turn the football over, but the reason he has to play so risk adverse and that he's having the opportunities to do those things in the fourth quarter is entirely because of the defense and not because he is keeping them in the games up to that point. The defense is carrying the load and not giving up anything to be able to give him an opportunity to win a football game down the stretch, which to his credit, more often than not, he's done. But again, if you were getting better play through the first three quarters, you're not having that conversation in the fourth. And we're not Kenny Pickett haters. We want him to do good. We're just trying I, I don't to be know how about the situation. Yeah, I, do, I just don't know how objectively talking about what we're seeing is being a hater, though. Like that—that's what I really have a hard time understanding. It, I, is it's because he's from Pitt and he's the and he's he's not he's what? the non hometown hometown kid, and so if we're talking bad about him, we clearly dislike him, and we we're just being a but hater. You know what's so funny? And I said I didn't want to talk, but like now we are. So like, yeah, everything that we're I in there, point, we're in there. Yeah. Um, what's so funny is like this fan base has seen what a franchise quarterback, a long-term franchise quarterback did and how he was able to shoulder the load and carry so much weight for an organization for so long, despite the pieces around him. How all of a sudden did the bar get so low for quarterback play? Like, I just, I don't understand how I I was worried that it was going to be too high. Like people are to be like, Oh, he's not Ben, but, and there's still some people that are like that. And I think those people are wrong too, but I'm I'm just very surprised by the leash, not by the organization, by the fan base that this guy seemingly has. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't, I'm not writing him off yet either, but I'm saying just in terms of when I say leash, I mean, willing to throw any type of criticism his mm-hmm. way and put blame yeah. on his shoulders. I was going to say his leash is pretty much as long as he wants because his le- Mitch Trubisky his is, leash is, is not going to be years. the, <laughs> his yeah. leash is probably four years. I would say, I would hopefully say, and this isn't me saying hopefully he doesn't work out. This is saying if things continue to go the way they are now, I would hope that the organization would be willing to move on after year three. But rookie contracts are four years with a fifth-year option. I would not at all be surprised if he gets the four years minimum to show something. I, well, how do you not? I and I feel like with some of the upcoming like quarterback classes you're going to be having college football, I feel like the quarterback – uh, position in general is getting so much like more talented and so much more athletic year after year. Yeah, that it, you can't sit around and wait for it to happen. I listen. This is coming from someone that watched Kenny Pickett week in and week out of Pitt. I saw him play numerous times over several seasons at Pitt. I loved watching him, and I still want him to succeed as a as a Steelers quarterback. But despite how I feel about him as, from a fan perspective as a player, from my Pitt fandom to my Steelers fandom. I'm still going to use my two eyes and realize that what he's doing right now is not getting it done. Like I will never shy away from criticizing a player just because I like them. Like we we've we've done that with several players on several teams on this podcast before over 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 the years over the six years that we've done this show. No matter how much we like a player, we can still criticize them, and we're so we're going to do that. And whether people like that or not, that's up to them. But I, I don't know how you can see what Kenny Pick is doing right now, especially after a game like Sunday 
where it was very evident that he was really the only thing going wrong with the offense. And people still want to say like, like you can't criticize it. I, I don't, I don't get it. Well, let's turn it around. Go have a big game on Sunday, Kenny, um, against the Browns. One of his better performances, I think of his, his NFL career up to this point was the last game of the season last year against the Browns. So maybe he can pick it back up. Um, Certainly not writing him off this point, but I think, you know, it's okay to have honest conversations about where we are uh, in the Kenny Pickett. What, what is it? Is it exactly 20 starts now? Was this start number 20 or is this 21? Um, This is 21. This is 21. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we will see. Time will tell. But again, I, I think that it has to go through the ground first and foremost anyways. Is he going to be able to take advantage of Team Keenan on the ground game is going to be the question. Um. Anything else as it pertains to the Steelers? No, just keep winning games. Honestly, like <laughs> the way the way they're doing it, not always pretty, but they're getting it done. And in the NFL, that's all that matters is if you get it done. So just keep on winning well, those games. I guess let's go to that then before we get out of here. I know that we are six days away. This is, like I said earlier, than we typically record in the week. And we still have quite some time before – the Steelers and Browns kick off for their second matchup already. We haven't played Cincinnati once yet, but we're going to play Cleveland twice before that happens. Um, how do you see this one going down? What is your prediction, both on the score or maybe anything in the game, whether you have like a somebody that you think should get an interception or score a touchdown that typically wouldn't, any bold predictions, anything like that? Um, Let me see. Any bold predictions? I'm trying to think of something outlandish. I'm not going to say that Kenny's going to throw for 300 plus yards. Maybe (laughs) after we just had the conversation that we did, he's going to have to prove it to me to be able to do that. And as far as like a game prediction goes, I would feel more comfortable saying that the Steelers were going to win this game. If the game was going, went how it looked at this, like the first half of their game with the Ravens prior to the Ravens blowing it in the Browns comeback. Um, and also we're playing in Cleveland, I believe during this or before the season, I don't know we, I, we didn't do game by game predictions on the show, but I did say, I think they would split Cleveland considering that we already won one in my mind. I don't know that I'll necessarily think the Steelers are going to win. Um, however, when it comes to like odd or just oddball predictions for the game, I'm going to say that Calvin Austin gets a touchdown in this game. Um, hmm. I think okay. that that's I, – I, I noticed like he, he was playing some snaps on offense, and I think that they're going to need to get somebody else involved in this offense, a, th- a third pass catcher at some point. It, it seemingly and seemingly like unless Pat Frymouth comes back and he takes a lot, a lot of the snaps, but I think they're going to have to get some more significant um, snaps from a third pass catcher. I'll say Calvin Austin gets a touchdown in this one. Um, and it's, I'll, I'll give a game score and I'll give a game prediction. I'm going to say the Steelers are actually going to lose this one. I'm going to hold true to what I thought with the beginning of the season. Stip Browns have won a few games in a row. I, I think that uh, they're doing some good things right now, and it's a tough opponent. As much as like Steelers fans don't want to hear that, the Browns are now a tough opponent, and that's okay to admit. So I think that going to Cleveland, the Steelers are going to lose. I'll put a score of 23 to just around 14. I'll say they scored two touchdowns, but I don't think that they're going to be able to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what you are on the year. I'm seven and two. I'm trash. I'm trash. I'm at my, uh, I, I don't know what my actual record is, but it's awful. I know that. Hmm. Yeah. I'm seven and two in predicting Steeler games this year. Um, 
like you, I thought going into the season that they would split. And typically you would think that each team, when you say that, is going to win their home game. Uh, the Steelers obviously took care of business at Akershore in week two. The tough thing with picking the game this early in the week is we haven't seen a single injury report. We have no idea if the Steelers are going to get or Pat Frymuth back. Denzel Ward left that game uh, to be checked for a concussion for Cleveland. So, like, who knows what his availability could be like. That would obviously be huge on the Cleveland side of things. Um, yeah, like you, I mean, we saw a tale of two halves for the Cleveland Browns in that one against the Ravens. Watson starts out one of nine. He finishes in the second half, or was it in the four, second half, no, fourth quarter? He was 14 of 14. Didn't have a single incompletion. Um, I mean, I'm I, don't saying, he, I don't know what the fourth quarter was, but he finished the day 20 of 34 with 213 yards. Yeah. He was really good in the fourth quarter for sure. I don't know if it was the entire second half that he didn't have an incompletion. It was probably just the fourth quarter. Um, I think the Browns win this one, as much as this pains me to say. <gasps> but uh, would you say 23-14? I have 20-16. to 16. The Browns okay. winning this one. I, this could, like, this is one of those ones that could do either way. And it could mean a lot. Well, I mean, it means a lot regardless. But if the Bengals beat the Ravens on Thursday night football, this game is for first place in the division. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's going to be important regardless, because obviously there's wild card implications, even if the Ravens win on Thursday, but if the Bengals beat the Ravens on Thursday night, this game is for first place between the Steelers and Browns. Uh, it was Watson completed all 14 of his second half throws, not just. Oh, the wow. Okay, so it was second. Yeah. Jeez. He could be good, know. but he could be absolute dog water. So it, it'll really depend on how not only the Steelers play, but like a guy like Deshaun Watson. We've seen him even this season like look really good, but we've also seen him look really bad. So yeah, like a lot of fans, the air. a lot of Browns fans thought that he was like back to his old self after they played the Titans. And then he wasn't. And now they're saying the same thing. I'm assuming after that second half against the Ravens, I don't. I, it's hard for me to buy. First off, I'm never going to buy into him specifically, but just tr- strictly trying to keep it to a football thing. I just I've been on the train the entire time that there's no way he's getting back to his 2020 form. I think that's out the window. Maybe he gets back closer to that than what he has been up to this point. Maybe that's what we see, but I don't know. I don't think it's going to be because of him that they win this game. That That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. And I, I think that this is going to be another game where, whether it's on the ground, through the air, Steelers are probably going to give up a lot of yardage defensively. But like we just said, and like we, we've talked about, like they've shown all season, as long as they hold the Browns to field goals instead of instead of touchdowns, they're going to be in a good spot. As long as, as, long as the offense doesn't turn over the ball, they're going to be in a good spot. It will be curious to see, We've, we've seen two good rushing performances from the offense. I want to see if they're mm-hmm. going to be able to do it against Cleveland. Yeah, that's why I was saying it's going to be a big test, but we didn't see Broderick in the first matchup, and we haven't seen Broderick for a lot of the season. But since we've seen him, they're averaging over 150, and since we've seen that right tackle, they're averaging over 185. So um, really good early returns from him and really the entire rookie class that's playing snaps. So, um, But I think that'll do it. 
So like Tyler mentioned at the beginning of the show, year six, rock around the 412, probably got another month or so left to get involved with that. The link is in the description to donate. Please share whether you can or cannot donate. Every single penny goes directly to helping provide Christmas for as many kids in the 724 and 412 areas as we can. We raised over $25,000 in the first five years of doing so. We want to make this our best year yet. We also partnered up with the East Rochester Salvation Army to, to adopt kids off their angel tree that they do every single year at Christmas time. That was obviously a big part of the whole thing for us last year. After losing our friend Dalton Keene with his girlfriend Kaylee, their daughter Isla getting involved with it. That's how they wanted to give back. So that's what we did last year. That's what we're going to continue to do going forward. So shout out to them. They actually have their own Facebook page that you can like and stay up to date with the different things they do because they also have a food bank. They have a church in that building as well. They do a lot of like activities for the kids and stuff like that. So if you're not sure or if you're not familiar with everything that they do, where your money could be going, you can go check them out. But I always try to post pictures and videos of, uh, you know, stuff that's involved with rock around the 412 anyways. So, uh, yeah, do that. As I mentioned, get in touch with us. If you are a family, or if you know of a family that could use some help at Christmas time this year as well, whether that's one of our personals or at around the 412 on X Instagram, we have a Facebook page. If you message us on there, I don't know when we'll see it, but, uh, you can try to do that, I guess. Um, but yeah, X or Instagram, I would say is the preferred method of getting in touch with us or email. Uh, around the 412 at gmail.com also down below everything custom designs our friend Haley wagner small business best in the uh valley, valley. yes there it is forgot the name of it for a second i was like what is it called You're about to say best in the valley i saw yeah, it in your mouth yeah well listen around the 412 i was about to say bird soon right uh, best in the valley best new small business Haley wagner everything custom designs facebook and etsy both down below hoodies t-shirts sweatpants Everything but hats is what it should be called. If you want a hat, this is what you're going to get. I wonder if uh, <laughs> I wonder if YouTube is going to recognize that as the actual song and try to like copyright give us a copyright strike. I, I hope it'll not. Be hilarious it, it'll be hilarious if it does. Um, but either way, great way to end the show. So uh, do that. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell here. If you guys are listening somewhere else that isn't YouTube, be sure to leave us a five-star review. Let us know what your prediction is down below in the comments as well. And go check out another video, which should be popping up on your screen right about now. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.